Good morning, kids. I hope you're doing well today, wherever you are watching us. You probably don't remember what it was like when you were a baby learning how to talk, but I wonder if you can guess what are some of the words that a baby would learn when it's first uh, trying to speak? What are some of the words that a baby would come out with when it's very young? Any ideas? Any thoughts? Mama. Excellent. So some babies will say mama or dada or perhaps papa if they live in France. Sometimes babies copy what they hear, don't they? So I think most babies will learn the word no very early on because that's what they hear their parents say all the time. No, no, no. My mum used to say that the first word that I learned to say was Batman. Probably because my brother, who was uh, just a year older than me, was saying Batman, Batman all the time. Another word that babies seem to learn very quickly is the word mine. So if they see a toy, they'll say mine, mine, mine. If they... If you give them a book, they'll say, mine, mine. And it's like all babies think that everything belongs to them. And you might have noticed that. If you've got younger brothers or sisters or cousins or friends, you might have spotted that mine, mine, mine comes out a lot. And it's especially true when babies or young children are together. So if someone sees something they want... Or something that someone else has, they'll say, mine, 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 without any hesitation. And I'm sure that I was just the same when I was a baby. But that raises a question, doesn't it? The question is, how do I know what belongs to me? You might think that something is yours, but how do you really know if it belongs to you? So I've got some photos of different things that I'm going to show you. And I want to see if you can tell me who these things belong to. So the first one's quite easy. Who does this T-shirt belong to? Oh, who does this T-shirt belong to? I've given the game away. Yep, and there he is wearing his T-shirt. The next one's not too hard whose football shirt is this (laughs) yep you guessed it it is Cristiano Ronaldo now playing for Manchester United again the next one is a little bit harder whose shield does this belong to do you know brilliant Captain America it's his shield the next one could be tricky but I think some of you will know who does this bear belong to yes that's my little Ted very first bear I had I think you'll get the next one whose palace is this who lives in that palace (laughs) 
<laughs> it is Buckingham Palace, and the Queen lives in Buckingham Palace in London. The next one is the last photo. Who does this belong to? Yeah, it's, the, it's a photo of the Earth taken from space. And the Bible says something very interesting about the Earth. Let me read what it says in Psalm 24. The Earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So what do you think about that? The Earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So just look around a minute. Whatever you see, wherever you are, it all belongs to God. Everything and everyone belongs to God. That's quite something, isn't it? Even if we think that something belongs to us, In reality, it actually belongs to God first. Everything belongs to God, and all of us belong to God. Now, in the world, there are some people who have lots and lots of things. Perhaps we have lots of things too. But even if someone has lots of houses and cars and boats, and aeroplanes, and maybe even an island to live on, it's still not really theirs. It all belongs to God. And they belong to God too. So that's something for you to think about as you do your activities this morning. Perhaps you'll want to ask your parents or someone else what they think about everything belonging to God. But I hope you have a good morning. Thank you for answering my questions and Suzanne's going to introduce your activities now. Thanks. Thanks Peter for reading that passage to us. You may have noticed that there are a lot of words and phrases uh, that we've just had read to us that are not ones that we use in everyday life. Words like uh, apostle, holy, grace, and redemption. And phrases like the will of God. So these are not words that we use when we're talking to our neighbours or friends or colleagues at work. We hear them at church. We read them when we read the Bible. But it's like another language, isn't it? And even the sentences in this passage are very long and complicated too. Let me just read one of them for you. So from Ephesians 1, verses 5 and 6. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us, in the one he loves. It's a great verse, and there's a lot in that verse, but I think that the combination of the words and the long sentences make it difficult for us to understand a passage like this when we read it for the first time. And yet I'm convinced, 
And I'm sure you're convinced as well that God wants us to understand these words. He wants us to have clear ideas about who he is. He wants us to have a clear understanding of what he has done. He wants us to know who we are. And I'm going to try my best to explain things this morning. But I want to encourage us to keep reading this letter. I find it really helpful to read it from the start to the end. And I found that the more that I do that, the clearer things become and the more I understand. But we need to ask for God's help, don't we? If we're going to understand anything or make sense of anything that's spiritual, we need God's help. So let's just pray again for a moment using some of the words from this letter. Lord, we want to ask you to make things clear and understandable to us. We thank you that you have given us your spirit, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that we might know you better. And Lord, our desire is to know you better. We've come here this morning because we want to know you. We want to understand the words that you have for us, the message that you have for us this morning. So, Father, we pray that you would open our hearts, that you would help us to look at these words, to hear these words, and to understand what you're saying to us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as we've already heard, we're halfway through this series asking the question, what is church? And we've looked at some of the descriptions that the Apostle Peter wrote in his letter. So we had things like uh, strangers in the world, uh, newborn babies, living stones. Then we had a chosen people and God's servants. And last week, we began to look at this letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. And last week, uh, it was the description of God's people as his household or his family. And today we're thinking about church being those who are God's possession. It's a phrase that comes right at the end of the passage that was read in verse 14. And if that sounds a little bit familiar, it's because a few weeks ago... Peter was talking to us about being God's special possession from Peter's first letter. So we've already had a little bit of a taste of what this is about. Being God's possession might sound a little bit strange to us, a bit like being owned by God. But it's really all about belonging to God and being valued by God. And having a purpose that's given by God. And that's really the first point that I'd like to make. Being God's possession has very little to do with us. And it has everything to do with God. So the emphasis isn't on possession. It's on God's possession. And when we start reading this letter, it's very obvious that it's talking about what God has done for us. If you have the passage open before you, you'll see that in verse 3, we're told that it is God who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. A few weeks ago, I was trying to get some insurance for our house online, and 
as I went through the options, it kept giving me more and more options to add. Did I want this kind of insurance? Did I want that kind of insurance? And at every stage, there was just more options, more options. But here, Paul is saying that in Christ, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms already given to us. There are no more blessings that we're, that we're lacking. We have every spiritual blessing. In verse 4, we're told that God chose us in him before the creation of the world. In verse 5, it says that he predestined us for adoption. And if you look down to verse 9, it, said, it says that he has made known to us the mystery of his will. Those are all things that God has done for us. And it's not just the beginning of this letter. It's all the way through Ephesians. It's all the way through the Bible, what God has done for us. So we are God's possession because he created us. But we're also God's possession because he has redeemed us. He paid a price for us to come back to him. The idea of redemption is that it's an action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for a payment or it's clearing a debt. That's redemption. And that's what God has done for us. Being God's possession has very little to do with us and what we can do and it has everything to do with God. Second point, being God's possession is much more about who we are together than it is to do with me on my own. So it's very easy to read this letter and other parts of the Bible as if it's addressing just me. And it's very hard to escape from our individualistic mindset where most of the time we're focused on ourselves and our needs. But when we read this letter and we see the word you, we should have in mind that that is talking to all of us together. So in verse 2, for example, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Often we read that and we think, yes, that grace and peace is for me, and it is. But if we can try to think of or visualize everyone when we read those verses, it changes our perspective. And the same would be true if we look at verse 13, where it says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So when we read that verse, we think, yes, that applies to me. The you is speaking to me. But then if we change and think of everyone here, that the you applies to all of us, it's us all together who are included in Christ when we all together heard the message of truth. And in this passage, you might have noticed the word us comes up again and again and again. And when we read the word us, we need to pay special attention. So if I read again, verse 4, 
For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So that's us all together who are chosen by God so that we all together can be holy and blameless in his sight. So God's desire for us, God's purpose for us, God's plan for us goes way beyond each of us as individuals. And the very special thing about being part of a church is as we look around, as we see one another, we're together in this. This is something that God is doing for us as, as a body of people, as a group together. So we are God's possession together. It's not me. I'm not God's possession on my own. It's us together who are, who are God's possession. And the third point is that being God's possession is not an end in itself, but rather a springboard to fulfilling our highest purpose in life. So being God's possession is not the goal. It's not enough for us to be God's possession. That's not what God is trying to get to. It's a springboard to other things. Our goal in life is not for us to think that we're great or not for people to think that we're great. The goal is that people think that God is great and what God has done is great. So it mentions in this passage that we have been chosen in Christ in order that we might be for the praise of God's glory. And that word praise comes up four times in this passage. And three times it's talking about for the praise of God's glory or the praise of God's glorious grace. So just think about that for a minute. What does that actually mean, that phrase? I think what it's getting at is that the goal is God and not us. But we can be the means by which God is glorified and praised. And that's not just an individual thing. That is us together. So that's a vision that goes way beyond how, certainly how I normally think when I'm reading passages like this. Praise is a very natural thing. I went uh, to have dinner with my sister yesterday. She cooked a lovely meal. And I just was able to thank her afterwards for, for the time that we'd had together, for the meal that she cooked. And I was so grateful. And in a sense, I was praising her for what she'd done. It was something that came out very naturally. And it's the same, or it should be the same, when people see us together, that somehow that reflects God's greatness and God's glory. And that draws out of people a desire to praise God. That's, that's what it means to be chosen as God's possession for the praise of his glory. So, as we, as we think about being God's possession as we think about being God's possession together, there are, there are three aspects of that in this passage. It's the aspect of being chosen, and not chosen individually, 
but chosen together by God. There's the aspect of being included, included in Christ together. And then there's the purpose that comes from being for the praise of his glory. So I hope that helps us to get a little bit further in our understanding of what it means to be God's possession. I don't think it's straightforward. I think we have to think about these things, as with all of the descriptions that we're looking at. There is a practical outworking of this, because it has to do with our dynamic of being together whenever we're together. And it could be with just a few people, it could be with a great number of people. We are for the praise of God's glory, our our way of being together, our way of serving one another, our way of loving one another, all of that, God has a purpose so that he will be praised. And that is a glorious thing. And that is worth thinking about.